We're back with uh, RBA Digital Experiences. Uh, this is the first time back in the studio in quite some time. Uh, and I'm here with Dwayne Hale, uh, who is a AM infrastructure engineer. He's been in the AM land for years and years and years and years and seen uh, t- literally dozens of different websites hosted well, hosted poorly, hosted strangely, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Cloud, on-premise, mixer, both, uh, should have been in the cloud, should never have gone to the cloud, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so we're going to talk AEM and Adobe-related infrastructure today. Um, again, I'm Tad Reeves. I've uh, also been in AEM line for a long time and have been in infrastructure basically my entire career. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, and about whatever, I'm in year... 14 of working in AM slash CQ land. Um, so, hey, so here we go. So so today, what we're going to talk about is um, the fact that, so in the past, uh, if you were uh, hosting your website, doing your content management, all that sort of stuff, uh, in Adobe land or CQ land, there's basically um, one path that you kind of had in front of you in terms of upgrades and hosting and so forth. You were probably doing it on-premise to start with, and you were eventually going to go to the cloud once you were all good and ready. Um, and if you were on a current version, then you were going to go to the next version, and that was your upgrade path. Um, now, uh, and this is where it make, gets interesting. Uh, now Adobe has, uh, really depends on how you want to think about it, but uh, a minimum of three completely separate infrastructures, completely separate platforms to run your website on. Uh, and the reasons that you might want to go with any one of them, none of them are deprecated. They're all alive well and have reasons for being alive. and. Uh, and so now it gets really interesting as to should you, which one should you go with? What, based on what you're doing, where should it go? Should you have gone to the cloud? Should you be in the cloud? Should you use one of these new hosted platforms? Is serverless okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so, um, Dwayne, you, you want to give a little bit of uh, background of, of some things that that you've worked on in the past and what where, where where your view is kind of coming into all this? Yeah, so I've been in the AEM space now for, uh, I'd say, 10 plus years. Uh, very, very early on started as kind of a mixed role where I would come in as an infrastructure person, set up uh, AEM for the customer, and then transition over to the development team. So I've seen kind of AEM from both facets of it, both the infrastructure side and the development side. I've worked with uh, customers in multiple different industry verticals, such as, you know, healthcare, uh, manufacturing industry, publishing industry. So I've seen quite a varied um, amount of AEM implementations, both in terms of size, you know, some of them being just standard websites that have a couple dozen pages up to, you know, one that comes to mind is the manufacturing industry that I helped them with the AEM implementation. And that one was quite large. They managed like somewhere around 230,000 products within AEM. And this was before 
you know, the commerce integration framework and anything along those lines. So you kind of had to build the wheel before Adobe was able to provide that framework. Um, so I've seen quite a bit um, in terms of the AEM landscape, and I've seen it change over the years, right? So the very first project I was on was AEM, or well, I was uh, Day Communique CQ uh, 5.4. Yeah. And I've been in, you know, the space ever since then, all the way up through, you know, the latest uh, 6.5 uh, service packs and implementations. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's probably a good time to to just talk a little bit about what what these products are and what what are they supposed to do because in some cases people, you know, you got a company that needs a website or they they need they need uh, you know internet in, internal they need some so some sort of extranet system to to tie in suppliers and customers and stuff like that and there's um, everybody wants something ideally that can they can skin and hopefully not spend you know a ton of effort but they kind of. Uh, they come to any one of these kind of platforms and realize that it's it's instead of getting something prefab, it's more like going to like needing a house and then ending up at Home Depot and grabbing lumber and a screw gun and you know bags of sacrete and all that kind of stuff and 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 starting from there. Yeah, um, and that's one of the things that I've kind of come across with customers, especially is they end up purchasing AEM. They think that it's, you know, something like WordPress where they can just get in and start building and, you know, it has these kind of building blocks already built into it. And what they fail to understand is that it's more, I like to reference it as like a content framework engine instead yeah. of actually being a full-fledged uh, CMS because there is some groundwork that you have to do uh, before you ever publish, you know, a live page on the platform. No, totally, totally. And 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 the things that people need out of it, the things that they need the website to do, um, they're like, oh yeah, we, this is a standard, this is a standard website that we're doing, you know, just like everybody else is doing. And then they go to list, you know, twenty five completely unique bespoke requirements that they alone have that nobody else has. So it's it's uh, and then and then that has to be built, and you need a development team that does that. But. Um, but yeah, let's 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 talk just a little bit about just to kind of set the stage because because in terms of people who are going to watch or listen to this, assuming somebody's going to listen to this, uh, the they uh, what what is it that um, that AEM does for people? What what does I mean AEM in this case Adobe Experience Manager? It's a it's a it's a long word that doesn't mean a lot of things, but uh, but it, but what is it what does it do? The 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 main thing that that people are using this for is as a well, first and foremost, as a as a content management system and an application server for serving complicated websites, websites that are, aren't just necessarily a WordPress site, but uh, that that have a lot of different requirements and potentially are going to need to go and talk to a lot of different backend systems in order to deliver up what they want. Like you said, you've got you take something like a big uh, company that is uh, that has two hundred thousand SKUs. Uh, and you need to have a corporate face, a nice about us page. Uh, it's got to be multilingual. Uh, it's going to have some nice uh, content heavy pages that talk about what it is that they do, where they source their gear from, where are their factories, all that sort of thing. But then you got 200,000 SKUs to also display and uh, potentially ability to order, potentially the ability to go and create POs. Uh, that need to go and link up with some backend system, all that sort of stuff. So, so the requirements can start shallow and go deep, really, really, really fast. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, so that, but, but that it's it's that sort of thing. 
that AEM is usually targeted for. It's usually targeted for the big companies that 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 um, that have a pretty deep feature set that they need, and potentially a lot of different things that they need to go and connect to. So, and that's where you get into kind of uh, kind of the start of the story is is um, is there's there's more than one there's more than one way to put that together and to assemble assemble the Legos. Uh, into something that 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 actually works for a company, and and where a lot of us started from is that being hosted in a corporate data center, and yep. uh, a bunch of big application servers. That it's easiest to just go say, "Good, well, it's going to need to talk to our product database or our product information management system, our PIM setup, or our um, you know our Salesforce or the the whatever the thing that prints out the things that the person is going to need to go and order online or whatever." Then it's going to be easiest if that's just sitting in our data center, hosted on servers that we control, and um, and that's where a lot of people started with. But as uh, that gets into all kinds of problems, Adobe's had um, you know a version that comes out every year. You know, you got six zero, six one, six point two, six point three, all the way on up, and every single one of those required a massive upgrade evolution to be able to get up to the next version, and um, that's as far as a lot of companies were able to see, and they. Just when when I was dealing with uh, these ones that, that they were they would envision this some some grand future where eventually they're not manage, managing all the hardware themselves they've got it in the cloud they have an idea that somehow the cloud's going to save them money because they're paying a lot of money to host a data center not really realizing that the cloud is just somebody else's data center and they're going to have to pay for that uh, and it's generally not a cost savings it's a it's a convenient savings it's maybe a, maybe a personnel reshuffling. Uh, of of who you need, you still need infrastructure architects and DevOps guys and all kinds of stuff. You need all those guys. They're just they, they're they're wearing slightly different colored hats, and you know, but they're the same the same types of folks uh, solving the same types of problems, uh, just in somebody else's data center. So, um, and then you've got you've got then um, starting in 2020. You had this uh, new player that came on the scene, which was when Adobe rolled out AM as a cloud service, and uh, and that's had its own set of things. Uh, initially, when that was rolled out to us, uh, the line that we were getting from um, from our sales and partner management folks is uh, that's what everything's supposed to go to. The yep, that was six, the future. Yep, that was the future. Everything goes to this new cloud service, um, and um, and as you. As, as folks pushed on that too, as you go, good, everybody move, let's all go. Um, then you start to pull up the use cases of like, mm, that's, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work um, and, for, for X, Y, Z reasons. Uh, and, then, and some of those reasons are political. Some of those reasons are pretty like, okay, we're gonna have to redo almost everything that we have behind the scenes so that we can use your new content management system. And is that worth all of that rejiggering just so we can use the new content management system? It's possible. It's all possible. Everything's possible with enough money. But is that desirable? And so then you have a lot of companies like I, I've dealt with a, uh, another manufacturing company that um, that it just it never it has never made sense. They're, st they're, they're still on an on-premise AM 6.5. Um, they've got a presence in China. It doesn't make any sense. It does. Right. It just like there's there's just there's just too much. And that's the um, other kind of facet of that is that there can be some hard technical reasons depending on the organization. Um, if you think about, you know, European banking institutions, 
given the European data laws, they can't host outside of the European continent. So there can be a lot of um, just no, non-starter issues where it excludes the cloud service from being a viable option right out of the gate. Okay. That's right. That's right. And I mean, I, I've got a diagram. So for, I mean, some people are going to listen to this on audio and so they're just going to have to visualize diagrams in their mind. Um, but, um, but here, here is a, um, here's a diagram of AEM cloud service. So, so this whole setup that Adobe created, which is, which is a, um, which really is a gargantuan amount of engineering that Adobe had to do to undertake, to take something that initially was a really complicated Java application server, extraordinarily complicated that, that plugs into all that, like you could write anything and plug it into AEM, all kinds of different heavy lifting that you have to do behind the scenes. And to take that complicated Java application server and stick it out in the cloud so that it was containerized, auto scaling, um, auto healing, uh, super upgradable, like they, 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 this list of requirements that basically you're like, okay, does it also need to fly? Like, like it, it, it was almost so. So I'm my hat's still off to to the to the um, to the engineering teams that made this happen. It was it's just it's ridiculous. Um, but it come that but being meeting all those um, requirements means it's got uh, it's definitely got limitations as well. And turn and and uh, and it is by definition then uh, a lot more prescriptive in terms of how to how to get in and use this for, for one thing so as you can see from the diagram here so it's got it's got it's got a bunch of gear that's in here so you got the back end uh, data structure the jcr the java content repository which is hooked into a series of containerized pods and so forth you've got the authoring instances which have all their data stored in mongodb atlas uh, you've got all of this running inside of Azure and all of this, you can't necessarily put your finger on, like if you take a piece of data, like let's say I author a piece of information and stick it in, in the AEM author in the cloud service. It's very difficult to put your finger on where does that information now? And if I wanted to retrieve any, um, any remnant of that information, if I wanted to track it or, or, um, or like you said, with, with European, um, uh, uh, data residency laws. How am I really going to make sure that this, like, like, let's just say you're talking about a Swiss, like a Swiss bank, right? How am I going to make sure that this data that I uploaded, let's say I've got a, you know, a shareholder report that it has stringent laws and and restrictions and so forth about how it's going to be portrayed, where it's going to be stored, how do I the track accesses to it, the time that it's yep, put out, timing of the so publishing. People, yep, so people won't speculate upon it. All that sort of stuff. Um, how do I how do I really control that? And if it's going to be in Mongo Atlas, if it's going to be over there in Azure, if it's going to be sticking up here in Azure Blob Store, and is it, it, it does this mean like is there a CTO or or a chief security officer or any of these kind of people who are going to be down with that, or are they going to say, nah, can we just keep it on our gear? So. And I know, I mean, you've you've you worked for some of these financial services um, infrastructures too. That that kind of they had those as a hard stop. They were like, "Sorry, sounds like a great sounds like a great deal, but we can't use Won't that work for us." Yeah, we can't <laughs> we can't track the life cycle of it or know exactly what system it's in at any given time. Yep, that's right. 
Or if you say, um, we, we think we have a breach, you need to send us the hard drives that this thing is on. And when it's in that many disparate places, you're like, that hard drive doesn't, that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's everywhere. So, um, so yeah, so that, that, that comes, that, that, that creates a problem. But, but there are companies that absolutely plug in well to a cloud service like this. And there have been ones that I've, that I've seen that, that have done quite well because it scales very well. Um, you can reuse a lot, of the, a lot of the work that you put into your, um, your earlier AM, AM implementations. Because if you look at, here, I've got another slide here. This is, a, this is an, older, an older AM. This is like an AM65 type of a infrastructure. And this, this shows also a, an older way that we had to solve problems on this, which is where if you had a ton of assets, you might need to offload those into an assets author that could run workflows and stuff like that. This is no longer a problem with AM cloud service. These are all done with microservices. But um, if you took a lot of the a lot of the work that you put into um, components and things that do this, okay, I made a great, you know, we put all this development work into a into a uh, a location finder so so that people can find the nearest location to them. Can we just take this location finder and stick it in the cloud service? And a lot of times the answer is yeah you can. Just go and yeah, it, it's it's still the same code. It's still Java. It's still it's still the same you know Sightly or whatever, wh however it was created. Uh, and so it 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 makes sense for a lot of folks. Um, so but that that kind of gets into one problem that we haven't really touched on, which is um, so you've been in AM for a long time. I've been in it for a long time. I don't know about how you got into AM in the first place, but for me, it was completely by accident. I was working for, for a company way back in the day, and I wanted to learn all about load balancers and stuff because I thought that was the future. I'd get myself all certified in F5 and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, yeah, we're running AM. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll learn about that too, but the thing seems terrible, but I'll learn about it. And then next thing you know, my next job is like, do you know about CQ? I'm like, I do. It's terrible. But yeah, what well, do you want a job in it? I'm like, you know, oh, it's full remote. Okay, fine. I'll do it. But I just kind of just fell into it. I, there's yeah. no there, there's no great entry mechanism to get into this universe. You just kind of have to like almost Jump be like, it. yeah, yeah, or be handed it. You know, there's not really a great, you know, hey, download a free trial and, you know, get your hands dirty, you know, sort of a thing. Yeah, and I, that's how I got into it. it was a very similar uh, story. So I worked at a university in the IT department, and they were moving from Serena Collage to a Day Communique. Um, that's kind of you know dating my uh, yeah. experience with it. But <laughs> I knew the infrastructure guy. Uh, he was right across the hall from my office, and so nobody on the team really knew anything about the application stack besides that it was a Java application, right? right. So they thought. Right. Hey, we'll just go in and we'll, you know, run Java in the jar and just start building. And that's basically my first experience with, uh, well, it's Adobe Experience Manager now, but it was Day Communicate back then was, right. hey, you're a two-person, three-person team, one developer or two developers, one infrastructure guy. We're migrating to this and we need to stand it up. So it was a really, I would say, steep learning curve, especially given yeah. the documentation back then that was available uh, on Adobe site. It was, you know, fragmented and was not all the details were there so it was a lot of on the job training i suppose you would say with that the application yeah. stack itself and that has improved over the years uh but that's essentially my 
uh, vector into the Adobe Experience Manager ecosystem. Oh, totally. And, and, and because of that documentation, there's no, there was not really a really strong community to tie into so, so that you could tell whether or not you were doing it, you know, it, it correctly or in a complete anti-pattern. And you're like, well, this is how it's, this is how we created it. And because this is how it, I mean, it, look, it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, you know, you bring it to some Adobe guy and they're like, oh, goodness gracious, why'd you do it like that? Or like, because, because it works. <laughs> yeah, so. or, you, or, or you come to revisit it, you know, a year or two in the future because it's upgrade time to another major version. And then yep. you're starting to read some of the upgrade paths and notes. And then you realize, oh, uh, I, I may have built this incorrectly. And this is our time to reset to some of the best practices that are starting to emerge. That's right. That's right. And so it, but the, it's that um, I guess just 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 barrier to entry that just really just how how I mean it's I don't want to say that it's repellent but in some ways it it is kind of yeah. like I've had a couple guys that that um, that were moving into the tech field they were in some other field and they moved in they got they went through a developer boot camp maybe they even learned Java and and I'm like dude I need AM developers do you want to come on in here and they like look at it and they're like that looks really hard and I. You, you mean you you basically have to secretly slip me, you know, uh, uh, a CRX quick start, like a, like a, you know, there's no actual way that I can get into this and it has to be basically not above board for you to learn me on as a developer. Like, no, thanks. I'll, I'll do something else. Cause it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you get into this field? So that's, that's been a, that's been a problem all the way along the line uh, when it comes to uh, getting companies uh, muscle to do some of these upgrades and migrations and stuff like that, where you say, good, I want to, I want, you know, give me, give me, you know, two AM devs and a, and a QA guy and let's, let's, let's rock and roll. And the talent pool is really thin. It's, uh, it, you know, getting, getting a hold of some, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's been good for, for our salaries, I guess, because it makes us so rare, but it still doesn't help us get anything done. Uh, so, so, so that has been something that, that Adobe's been looking to handle because they so because they made AM cloud service. One of their goals initially that they stated was this will be great for SMB for 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 small medium business uh, because you know we can just provision it. There's no like a lot of this buffering of of like the infrastructure guy stuff that to stand it all up. We stand it all up automatically, you know, by pushing a button. So should be good, right? You don't realize that then then you know. Whatever, seventy-five percent of your expense then is on the on the side of trying to find the guys who are going to build it and run it. And it's extraordinarily expensive to 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 build it and run it, which is which is what leads us to this next infrastructure that Adobe um, really has been kind of slow drip uh, 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 releasing and working on, kind of under the covers, um, uh, which is now called AM Edge Delivery Services. Which has had many other names. Uh, it's had. It was originally uh, this project called Helix, and then uh, and Adobe secretly took some AEM sites that we didn't really know that they were doing this, and they switched them out for Helix, and they were running on Helix. Um, and uh, like, uh, for example, the uh, the Adobe blog, blog.adobe.com, was one of the first ones that went over there, and we 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 all thought it was AEM, and they're like, this has been Helix. It's been Helix for two years. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, that was then renamed to Franklin and, uh, even before release 
And we started talking about Franklin uh, at Adobe Summit last year. And they're like, okay, well, actually, we're calling it AEM Next Generation Composability Features. And that is a mouthful. Um, I assumed they were going to call it launch because launch is always what Adobe calls everything that doesn't have a name. There's been so many different things called launch, uh, but they didn't go with that. They, they went with uh, AM edge delivery service or services, um, uh, and that was launched in this past fall. So what this is, is, uh, is a lightweight, extraordinarily fast, um, uh, basically a document-based content management and delivery service, which allows you to go and plug in uh, either like Google Docs, SharePoint. Um, you can plug in even AM as a source for documents, which gets run through a, a, a kind of a simplification of uh, and, and markdown uh, interpreter, which then goes and spits it out to a, um, a pretty complex uh, content delivery tier uh, which uses uh, aggressive caching and uh, and and an, uh, in, a, in a really intelligent way to be able to deliver pages super fast. The benefits of this are that I mean, like I said, it's extraordinarily fast. Like like they basically the target is to to have a, a lighthouse score of 100 all the time. Like it basically it's it's basically that the the design goal all along was uh, the fastest to, to just make it every page that is. Uh, hosted on EDS to be the fastest sites on the internet, just flat out. Um, so that's one. The other is that the the um, the barrier to entry of getting into this is going to be really low. If you know how to use Google Docs or SharePoint, and you know how to do just like a lot of really commodity JavaScript frameworks in terms of UI, uh, you can get in and get dirty and start start making a site. Yeah. Um, as a as a testament to this, so just last night, um, so I got a resume for uh, for a developer who's still in college, and uh, he said, "Hey, I, you know, get got a job for me. I, I'd, lo I'd love to work for you." I said, "Okay, tell you what, you want an interview? Um, uh, take your resume. Here's the AM uh, uh, EDS website. Take your resume, make yourself a website on EDS, and stick your resume on there, and then then I'll give you an interview." He totally did. He did it in hours, and, he, and and his resume was up on the website. He's like, "Oh, that was really fun." To me, that that is a testament to the fact that you've got now something that is the opposite, really, of AEM land, where you can take um, developers who are just trained in almost anything and get them up and running and start making you a website off of this with, the, the, with virtually no infrastructure that you have to with, set up or with manage. virtually no in infrastructure like for example we're running our blog on this right now and the only infrastructure that we're really supporting is the cdn because you because you have all this feeding into and you're responsible for the cdn part in front of it with your ssl certificates um and so we're responsible for that there's no there's no back-end gear there's no vms there's no there's no stores, lo there's load no. balancers, data stores, data sources. I mean, we've got, you know, and we're sitting there running it on Google Docs. So, so that we're not paying for that either. So it's 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 super lightweight on that, super pluggable. Um, with that, it's got limitations. So obviously, by the fact that it's serverless, it's serverless. So that means, um, so with AEM, you're always, you've got this, you've got a, a, um, and you got an infrastructure based on the fact that you've got a server that people aren't talking to that can connect in the back end and grab stuff and crunch it and deliver it um, 
to to any any of these backend systems. So so all that connectivity to some backend, you know, twenty year old Postgres monstrosity that that stores all this whatever it stores, or you know, PIM stuff, or you know, ERP stuff, or Salesforce stuff, whatever stuff that you don't necessarily you've never gone through the work and you maybe don't want to go through the work of uh, exposing to the internet, your server can talk to, and the public don't need to talk to it. If you're doing this on EDS and you're assuming that EDS is serving all this up and you don't have a server to make that connection, then the client is going to need to be the one that's compositing all that data. So let's say you've got a table of, okay, let's say you've got available, let's say you're running a site and you've got available um, classes, training that you're providing, right? So you've got a database that has this list of class schedules and when they're available, right? And that's some backend database someplace, right? So if you're going to run this on EDS now, as opposed to just having a JDBC data source on a server and that server talks to the database, goes, queries it, and then goes and crunches it and displays it, now you have to have a publicly available front-end data source that can spit out a JSON that your EDS site can consume, which that's cool. Um, but that's, but that, that now you're, you're, you're gonna, if, if you want to run your entire website on this, that means refactoring all of your backend infrastructure to have front end delivery so that, so that you can use this new, this new coolness, which I guess that brings us back to this like point of, is this for everyone or is this for every workload? Uh, and 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 do you need to go all in on this also? Um, and I guess that's that 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 deserves a lot of thought and consideration because because yeah. uh, like because like because like AEM right? So we, so you got your license ridiculously expensive licenses per server right? So the likelihood that you're going to run AEM on premise and AEM in the cloud at the same time is like you'd have to be a very wealthy, very prosperous, very big company to be able to afford things like that. Cause that's just, you're just throwing a lot of money at licensing at that point. Um, but EDS comes with your cloud service license. So you potentially could run workloads that make sense on EDS and then keep the rest of it in AEM for, for your harder core type stuff that that need back-end connectivity. Yeah, and that's so. one of the things where I see EDS probably accelerating or you know excelling beyond on-prem or cloud-hosted AEM or even AEM as cloud services. If you're doing something small like a blog for your company or maybe even like knowledge base articles if you're not putting them behind you know some sort of paywall or authentication mechanism, EDS fills all those, you know, check boxes, right? Yeah. Um, where it doesn't is where you're, like you said, you're having to pull information from multiple disparate systems. Some of them you may not, for security reasons, even want to put on the internet, right? You may not want to even expose that. And so that's where I think EDS kind of lacks, uh, you know, in use case functionality is being able to connect multiple disparate systems, you know, like you mentioned a uh, PIM system or even like, a booking system, if you're some yeah, sort of yeah. vocational, you know, industry, uh, things along those lines. But it does work for you know your smaller sites that 
you may not want to wrap up your development team with you know building article list or blog list or um, you know some of the more simpler feature sets where you can just hand it to your content team with a little bit of training and say hey upload your docs into this you know SharePoint or Google Doc location and they'll automatic automatically get published essentially. That's right. That's right. And 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 one of the other things too that so so AM's got I mean it's 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 a it's it's a monstrosity in terms of how how much that that, that it does and can do and so forth and how many how many how much it's got in terms of features. So one of its um, uh, classically good features that has been it's been good at for you know whatever the the fifteen years that I've or fourteen years that I worked on it is uh, is workflow management and being able to do really complicated uh, business logic. Uh, having to do with content with, when it comes to approvals, uh, translation workflows, um, uh, sending it off, se- sending uh, uh, you know an uploaded piece of content off to a uh, to a work management solution like Workfront, getting it crunched on and then thrown back into it and then published and so forth. All this really complicated business logic, AM does extraordinarily well. And um, and if you're something like let's say you're an insurance company, and you've got 50,000 PDFs that all have to do with disclosures and agreements and all this kind of stuff. And they're different ones for different states. And they have all this stuff that has to be done for approving it and putting it online and so forth. So EDS isn't going to really handle that. It's not really for that. AM is for that. But if you've got a microsite that says you're launching a new initiative in Georgia or in South Carolina, and and you just want to just have a, you know a, some pictures, some video and all that kind of stuff and throw it online, and it's only in English, do you want to try to engage an AM developer and an AM development and expensive AM development team to make that or just throw that together on EDS and then th- and then send them back to AM when they need to sign up they need to get those translated you know updated PDFs that have this you know stamp on them that says that they're approved and they're you know all, all that all the stuff that needed all that you know uh, back end gear you know send them to that for for, for that sort of thing Yep, and that sounds like uh, you know a very uh, that that sounds like a typical use case for the EDS, right? You, something that you're not wanting to necessarily personalize to the level you would of your you know main corporate website, um, you know, or simply you know, like you said, news announcements of new features or new programs that your organization offers. That's kind of EDS's bread and butter, right? Is kind yeah. of the more um, sites of the traditional websites of i guess the past right where they're more static they don't really have personalization that kicks in they don't really have very much interactive uh you know functionality that's where eds kind of shines right because your content team can throw that together with i I don't know what what would you say maybe a couple days training on how to format (laughs) the web the you know the actual google doc or the microsoft word doc and then they can publish you know their content at, as with a lot more velocity than typically going through a, an Adobe Experience Manager channel, regardless if it's Adobe as a cloud service or even on-prem, um, you know, Adobe uh, AEM. Because then, yeah. like you said, you're engaging, you know, specific content authors that have been trained on how to use the components that have been built within AEM, and there can be the content velocity can be slower, right? Right. Uh, versus just being able to upload a Word document that's properly 
uh, format it with your tables and et cetera. And then that gets published out pretty much instantaneous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, and, and the, the number of teams that then have to wait for uh, budget to be available for development teams who, who are these, you know, super in demand. Cause once you've got a couple AM developers on staff, those guys are never lacking for work. There's always remedial work and new components. And all that. So, so being able to get in, in line with, with one of those, like, Oh, Hey, I've got a new microsite that's supposed to launch our new summer special. Like, okay, man, get in line. We, <laughs> those guys yeah. are busy. And, uh, could yeah. be the end of the summer by the time they get it out the door. Yeah, <laughs> depending on the team and the velocity, and uh, you know, like you said, the backlog of work they have. Yeah, yeah. So it's it it is um that 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 sort of thing is great. Now, one other thing though too is I mean, just coming back to is it is is it does it solve every problem? Like one of the thing that that we've looked at is that EDS is does not have um, any real mechanism in place. Uh, I mean, coming back again to this whole workflow phenomenon. Uh, of, of, um, of, of, of an analog to Adobe's um, uh, multi-site manager and, uh, and language copy frameworks and all that sort of thing. So if you've got a site and you're doing mechanical translation in 16 languages or something like that, and you've got, good, you want to author once, send a bunch of this or, or make these components once and these layouts once, send them out for mechanical translation, they come back and all that kind of stuff and they're, and they're managed. Like there's no really... There's not really a way of doing that out of the box with EDS unless you're talking about really duplicating huge trees of SharePoint folders for every single language and just, you know, and every single one of these is is just a is monster. And and you're and, and also um, when it comes to asset management for all those, a lot of the a lot of the way that you get this content velocity with edge delivery services is people are you can make a Make a Word doc, drag a photo in there, drag this in there, and just hit it and goes and and it's up. But now that photo is living within the context of that document. If I say, hey, we're gonna change it, we're you know we're the whatever shoe company, and we, we need the spring colors, uh, not the not the winter colors. So we're gonna change out every every one of the shoes that's everywhere. And AM that's relatively straightforward to do that across languages. With EDS, you're doing a find and replace of documents all across this massive tree. It's not really, it's not really for that. So that's not, yeah. it, you're, you're, you're really using, you know, uh, 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 a serving spoon to do excavation kind of a thing. It's not really, it's just the wrong tool for the job. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little clunky and there could be ways around that. You know, I'm, I can already hear some of the more um, enterprising developers being like, well, we could host, you know, the images somewhere else and then just link to a generic link. And that, yep. you know, that may work for a small website, but if you're talking, you know, tens of thousands of products, that's a lot of manual touch points to have to go in and, you know, replace image one, two, three, ABC so that you have your spring colors of your shoes. And then even then, um, you know, you may still have to go back and touch the original source material if it, you didn't do that out of the box that's uh, right. when you first, when you first deployed the EDS. And that adds to the fact that so um, in all of the, the the trying to figure out what you're doing with websites and sites and sites, the 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 one thing that has has been a constant factor over the last maybe five six years is Adobe's focus on their assets product. 
So assets really started to really pick up steam in AM64 and 6.5. And then the assets cloud service is really, I mean, I think assets, AM assets in the cloud service is one of Adobe's like top three products, period. You know, even including all their desktop products that really are just monstrous. Like they like assets cloud service is a great product for managing assets. It's, it's got it, the feature set so strong. The 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 all, all the 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 appropriate use of of AI in in, in limiting workloads of things like all this stupid stuff that you got to do crops and and uh, tagging and taxonomy and all this stuff that really you know when the rubber meets the road on trying to tr- trying to manage a brand's assets it's really really good and so you you want to leverage power like that to limit the amount of labor that you're that you're putting against this and really increase your asset velocity and being able to like it. Oh, wh- Hey, why did you pay this guy to do a brand new video shoot? Well, I thought we didn't have any uh, photos of that. We did just our asset management and taxonomy and search capabilities was so terrible. You thought you had to do another photo shoot. Like that is a real life problem that a lot of companies have, but, but you know, with, with how good the, the, the search has become and, and, and all that sort of thing in, in assets cloud service, it's just, you, you want to leverage that. So how to leverage that and how to plug that into the right CMS, the right tool for the job, really, it, it, I, I, guess, I guess to me, the, the, what, what comes out of this is, is uh, you got to spend more time not uh, like really thinking through what, so what are your use cases? What are the things that the features that you have that you really want to have? What are the, what are the, the ye old systems that, um, that you have that you do or don't ever want to expose to the internet, or you may or may not want to ever re-engineer. Um, and then what are the right what what are the right current tools for the job, and where do we go with all of this? Because it's not just um, the CTO or whatever says we got to go to the cloud, so we have to go to the cloud. It's not just a simple migration or. A, Oh, we're not a data center company, so we wouldn't keep a corporate data center because sometimes it make really it might really really make sense to keep your corporate data center. You know, and in, in some cases, I've totally seen this because I mean, storage is cheap these days. Like, it it may really make sense to keep that corporate data center for 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 certain workloads. So, um, so so the importance of evaluating all of this and taking a really hard look before buying a license for something is, I think, important. Yeah, doing your groundwork very early on in the initial stages of reviewing, you know, what are your requirements? What are your nice to haves? What what is the future going to be like? That's one thing I see a lot of uh, customers not really thinking about when they first jump in the AEM is, you know, what are we going to do in five years or 10 years in terms of what our online presence should be like and what we want, you know, customers or uh, consumers of our content to be able to interact with. So, they get into a situation where they, you know, look at EDS, for example, and they're like, well, we're just going to build a you know, semi-static website. We're not, you know, it's going to be more for informational purposes. We're not going to collect user data or, you know, have users book trips or anything with us or order, you know, components that we manufacture. And then in two to three years after they've started to grow out of, you know, EDS or a similar system, they're mm-hmm. then looking at reinventing the entire thing because it's it doesn't meet what the the goals of the organization were in the long term. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm um, you know I, I, I'm really so we, we got Adobe Summit coming up. So I think again 
Adobe is going to uh, further tip some of their hand and, and what their what their future plans are. But I think this is it's never been more important to to understand uh, the offerings that are out there, the the uh, the options that are in front of everyone in terms of where to where to stick all this, uh, the resources that that each company has. Like, do you have a bunch of you know JavaScript guys? Do you have a bunch of Java guys already? Uh, it may make a lot of sense to go and like take this on-premise system and retool it into AEM if you've got the Java muscle to be able to do that. If you don't, maybe it doesn't sort of a thing, but um, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. We're, we, we're, we are in a land of much flux right now. Yeah, and it's, it's been exciting uh, watching the ecosystem grow um, because like we talked about at the beginning originally, it was AEM on-prem, right? If you wanted yep. uh, to use AEM, you had to have a server. You had to put it on that server. And now Adobe's offering what I'd like to say is you know, three different flavors of AEM, essentially. Yeah. And two of them you know, are, like you said, really easy to get into now that you know, with uh, Adobe as a cloud service, you don't really have to worry about having a bunch of infrastructure guys that you know know AWS or they know VMware and they know Java applications and they know how to monitor them and how to respond to any issues that come up uh, with Adobe as a cloud service, that's kind of handled for you. Really, you just need right. the development side of the house. And with EDS, it's even simpler because you kind of don't really, I don't want to go as far as to say you don't need developers, but at the same time, it's very approachable, um, given that it's right. JavaScript and you know, document regular Word or Google Doc documents, uh, or even an AEM author can be your source of truth for that particular system. So, right. given the, these options, you know, like we mentioned earlier in the uh, podcast, you know, it's really kind of uh, Adobe opening up the floodgates to appeal to more than just your large corporations that have a lot of that development or infrastructure muscle that can then get into the Adobe ecosystem and really leverage it. Yep, indeed. All right, well, I think we're going to have to do version 2.0 of this particular podcast uh, right after Adobe Summit. Yep, so. I, I, that's why I was just thinking we'll have to do a part two and see yep. uh, you know, how well this one aged depending on what Adobe uh, unveils or reveals and yeah. Yeah, w what their future roadmap looks like. Um, yep, indeed. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the discussion, Dwayne. And uh, we'll, uh, like I said, we'll 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 take this up uh, again. Yep. Thank you. And have All a right. good one. All right. See you.